time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. It's another Retirement Roadmap Podcast, and we're taking it old school today, back to elementary school when we used to have the really easy tests, Glenn. We're going to just play a little fact or fiction on today's show. Used to love those true-false questions. You know, you got a 50-50 shot at it. None of these multiple choice, not, not even the, uh, especially like the multiple answer. Those were always my least favorite tests when it wasn't mo- just multiple choice, but it could be one correct answer, two, three, four, or none. And you had to get right. it exactly right to get the whole question, you know, to get credit for the question. Never liked those. Those were, I had a history teacher in high school who loved those kinds of tests and everyone did horribly on them. So he was, <laughs> he was very mean. But uh, but in any event, we're going to keep it simple on today's show because, hey, sometimes that's the best way to learn something, right? Keep it simple. And so that's our goal on today's program. Welcome to the Retirement Roadmap. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Glenn Mosseller, registered financial consultant, founder and president at Roadmap Financial Consulting in Greensboro on Muir's Chapel Road. Find Glenn online at roadmapfinancial.com. So we're going to play a little fact or fiction, Glenn. I'll, I'll throw you the question. You let us know if it's fact or fiction. And we're going to come in with a disclaimer. I realize that some of these will depend, Glenn. I know that uh, you, know, you, you, you don't like to just definitively say, yes, it's always this way. But maybe, maybe we can think about these in terms of, for most people or for most situations, it's fact. And we know that this caveat is there in each one, perhaps. We'll see. Well, that, that depends, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. All right. Let's try the first one here, Glenn. Uh, fact or fiction, your Social Security is taxable? Well, maybe. Right? <laughs> no, it, it, it is. It's, it, the, the, and I think we've talked about this a number of times on, on previous episodes, but Social Security is a little different in the tax code than than virtually anything else that you'll see from, you know, from an income perspective, right? Because Social Security is not inherently taxable, right? And what do I mean by that? Well, it just means that it's, you know, when, when, you, when, that, when that Social Security benefit is distributed, you know, when it comes out, it's, it's, not, it's not an automatic thing like your, like your wages, right? If you, if you make, you know, if you have wages at work and you have earned income, well, that's automatically going to land on the tax return as something that's going to be subject to taxation. No ifs, ands, or buts. It just kind of is what it is, right? Whereas Social Security, it, it literally depends. It's, it, it depends, you know, with what are the other circumstances on your tax return as to whether or not your Social Security is going to be taxable. And, and if so, how much of it will be subject to tax? Because Social Security has this little uh, formula inside the tax code called provisional income. And so you have to go through that calculation to determine whether or not your Social Security is taxable, and if so, how much of it is, is taxable. And in essence, you know, what, you, what you're doing is you're taking half of the Social Security benefit that's coming into the household, and you, you, after you take half of that, you add that with virtually all your other income that's coming in. And I say virtually all because I don't want to, and this, this is not really the right venue to go in into all the, 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 the details about this, and the, you know, what, what may or may not be, but, but most everything else that, that, that comes in as income, pensions, IRA distribution, part-time wages, you know, interest on bonds, interest in bank accounts, all of those other things are going to count as income, your rental property, rental income, all of those things are other income 
that go into that calculation for provisional income to determine whether or not your Social Security is going to be subject to taxation. So like I say, you take half of the Social Security benefit coming into the household, and then you add in all, all those other income that, that's, that's there, and then at that point, you're able to determine what is that provisional income calculation, and depending upon what that, what that calculation comes to, your Social Security is either going to be exempt from tax or partially exempt from tax, or you know it can go all the way up to 85% of your Social Security can be subject to taxation. It can also be as little as 0% of your Social Security. So that's actually one of the big things that we work with folks in terms of positioning, positioning them for retirement and you know making sure that we that we do everything we can to you know to lighten lighten the burden of the taxation on their social security if at all possible because you know if we can do that you know and just think about it it's like you know I mean, if you're you know if you're you know having that type of income coming in and a lot of folks you know kind of underestimate the the value of their social security but you know if you're getting you know somewhere between 2 and 3000 dollars a month or more in social security benefits and so is your spouse you know that you know that that kind of adds up. You know, in terms of you know your you know, your annual income, and if you can keep that from being taxed, you know, I mean, in your retirement, I mean, that's just huge. You know, kind of coming back to it, it, you know, most oftentimes it takes some strategy and takes some work and takes some you know proactivity to you know to you know to make that happen. If you you know particularly if you've if you've saved a, a fair amount of money for for retirement, but it's you know for for the, you know a whole lot of people. It, you know, believe it or not, it's not without it's not outside of the reach of if you if you do certain things in your planning that you can oftentimes make that Social Security benefit, you know, tax free. And that's you know, that's that's the goal if we can make it happen. But it's something that you've really got to be aware of and, you know, and strategize with. And, and that's, you know, that's something to me is, is you know, if, if if you're working with an advisor, you know, you know, you kind of ask yourself the question, are they an investment advisor or are they really a retirement advisor? And, you know, and then thinking about how are you going to plan your retirement income? And one of your biggest expenses in retirement, you know, is going to be at least potentially is going to be taxes. And so that has to come into play. You know, you know, as much so or even more so than, than, than some things in terms of, you know, where what you're what you're doing in terms of how you're positioning, you know, assets in, in your in your portfolio in terms of, you know, am I going to be in this sector or that sector or am I going to be in stocks and bonds or or however it might be. You know, if you're if we're looking at you know, if you're going to be utilizing any of those funds for retirement income, it interacts with, you know, with, you know, with your tax return, Social Security and everything else that's there. So just be aware that that's something that may you may be able to plan and work to, you know, being able to hold on to more of those dollars and, and just realize that it's not automatically going to be subject to taxation. But if you don't plan, it likely will be. Great points, Glenn. So uh, obviously, Social Security being taxable, a little bit of fact, a little bit of fiction, depending on your situation and where you stand. Maybe that will be the case for several of these. But let's try another one, Glenn. The sentiment that your taxes will be likely lower in retirement, is that fact or fiction? Well, again, Walter, it kind of a little bit depends, right? I mean, the the more you saved for retirement and or if you have pensions and you know and other other you know things that are going to come into into play in, in your retirement income planning you know if you have something more than social security 
you know, it, it oftentimes, you know, you, you, you find yourself in a position and wow, I really thought I was going to be in a lower, you know, you know, or be taxed less in retirement. But so, you know, sometimes it turns out that that's just not the case. Sometimes it's the, it, it's, it's about the same. And there are situations that I've seen when, when folks are, uh, in, end up there, you know, they have the early years of their retirement, maybe they're in a lower tax bracket, right. Or maybe they're paying less in taxes but then suddenly when they start to have to take the required minimum distributions out of certain accounts all of a sudden that you know that dynamic changes and they find themselves in the same you know same tax position that they were or sometimes in even and even they uh, you know uh, paying more in taxes the other thing that kind of comes into play too Walter is you know whether you're married or single or if you end up ha- you know if if your spouse passes away you know, you, you know, in those in those situations, you know, you may find yourself going from filing a joint tax return to filing a single tax return, and the dynamics of that, you know, create a scenario where you know your your tax brackets just got you know just basically got cut in half in terms of how much how much money you can have before you go to how much you know taxable income you can have before you go to the next tax bracket. The other thing that happens is is you know your deductions get cut in half. Right. But your income, you know, you know, and, and, you know, quite oftentimes, you know, it, it may be reduced some, but you still continue to have other assets. And, you know, your income, you know, doesn't reduce as much as your as your as your tax situation may increase. And that and, and sometimes that's that's a really rude awakening if planning hasn't been done to, you know, to watch out for that. Yeah, it's another thing to be careful of, and we have to be careful of all sorts of assumptions in retirement. Uh, we, we've done shows on that before, Glenn, where we talked about the assumptions that people have about retirement planning, and this hits at the heart of just one of those that we covered on a, a previous episode. All right, you're doing well on the test so far, Glenn. The teacher is uh, very angry at you providing such long answers to fact or fiction questions, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they give these well, you know. they give these so that they can, you know, okay, check 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 boom and don't have to spend all night reading essays, but uh, you know. We'll, we'll, well so you're, you're telling me the fact or fiction or the true <laughs> or false is not is not a is not a discussion question. Uh, right? well, you know, I'm just from the teacher's perspective, uh, you know, oh, think okay. that's isn't isn't that why they designed the real shorty so they don't have to uh, spend the evening grading papers as long perhaps. But that's all right. We're going to allow it this time just because you're an exemplary student. We we're interested in the answers, of course. Uh, I'm just I'm just having some fun with you. Uh, all right, let's talk about another topic, but another fact or fiction question. Your direction: Term life insurance is better than whole life insurance. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of that depends upon where you are in life, right? What are your objectives, right? What 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 do you, what do you need that insurance to do, right? I mean, if you just need for it to have it cover a particular, you know, period of, of years, say, for instance, you know, a lot of times, you know, folks, when they're younger, they want to have they want to have some life insurance in place. They realize it's like if they buy a term policy that the premiums are going to be less, but it's only insurance that they're, that they're that they're getting there. And it's only going to be good for the for the length of the term. Maybe it's a five year term, a 10 year term, 20 year term, whatever the case may be. You know, sometimes, you know, folks will buy that type of policy to just make sure that if something happens to them that they that they're, that they're you know the surviving spouse has enough to to pay off the mortgage right or to finish paying for you know for college or, you know you know for their kids or, or something of that nature right 
And so there, you know, and there, there are certain places where term insurance really makes, you know, you know, can make sense. That said, there are also situations where, you know, whole life or, or other types of permanent life insurance make sense. Right. And, and, you know, a lot of times folks will look at that and they'll say, well, gosh, you know, isn't, isn't that permanent insurance is, isn't that, you know, more expensive. Right. And well, I mean, the the reality is, is that you would probably be putting more money into the premiums for, you know, that that's in all likelihood the case. But depending upon how that policy is structured, you know, not necessarily all of the money that you're putting into the policy is going for paying for insurance. It could be going in there and building cash value for you that you can that you can potentially access you know, through, you know, throughout your lifetime for, you know, for different reasons. It may be there, you know, that you can utilize as, you know, as a retirement cash flow or income. It may also be able to double as, you know, as a, as a, as a long-term care or a chronic illness rider, you know, if, depending upon, you know, how the policy is built. So, you know, if, if you, if you have, let's say for instance, that you're going to have a need to hedge against, you know, the long-term care risks that are out there. Um, well, you know, if, if you, you know, if you have a term policy that, that expires before you reach the point where you actually needed long-term care, well, then that policy was, you know, it, it didn't really, you know, I mean, maybe it gave you the, the, the insurance for, you know, in case you died during that term, but it didn't give you the, you know, the, the, the additional hedge against, you know, the long-term care that you, that you may have needed, right? Or, you know, there, there may be a scenario where it's like, you know, you, a lot of times folks will think, well, you know, gosh, I, I only need, you know, term insurance, you know, to get to where the house is paid off or this or that. But and they say, well, and I don't need insurance, you know, after after a certain age or after a certain you know situation, you know, is, is behind us. Well, I mean, there are certain there are certain situations where you look at we were just talking about it, whereas as one spouse passes away. And the other spouse is 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 you know is is now in a situation where they've they've suddenly become a single a single t- um, you know uh, filer in terms of their taxes. They're now in a situation where they're paying more in tax, and and they might not have as much income as as they thought they were going to have after all the expenses and everything are paid. And they may need a, an extra boost, you know, of where where is another pool of money that I can you know, that I can reach to to be able to create, you know, some income. Sometimes that comes in the form of a of a death benefit from a life insurance policy. So you know, there's never a one size fits all when it comes to life insurance. And most people don't realize that a lot of permanent policies have have multiple uses. It's not necessarily just for you know death benefit. It can be there for death benefit. It can be there for living benefits and utilizing you know t- um, cash value you know during your lifetime. It can also be there as a as a as a hedge against long term care or, or or you know or chronic illness and that type of thing. So it's it's you know you really need to kind of you know even evaluate in a holistic manner your your whole financial picture and then decide you know you know and and you know and having you know, having you know more facts helps you make those decisions about whether or not it makes sense to have you know to have a term or possibly a permanent life insurance and sometimes it makes sense to have a blend of those two you know maybe you have maybe you have a term and 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 a, and a permanent policy and then the and then the term you know can potentially be converted into permanent or maybe it just you know coming to the end of the term and then it expires, but then you have then you have the whole a whole life or the permanent policy in place for for other reasons. And so you know again it it really depends. But a lot of people gloss over this one just thinking oh well that one's more expensive and this one's cheaper and so I'm going to go with this. Well. I kind of liken that to the idea of, you know, are you going to are you going to rent your house or are you going to buy your house? 
Well, if you're only looking at the initial expense, you know, normally renting is cheaper than buying. But at the but at the end of the day, when you, you know, number of years later or decades later, if you're still renting and you don't have any equity and versus, ha you know, having the house. Well, maybe it was maybe it was worth, you know, having having that uh, having that, you know, a little bit more payment in the, at the beginning to have something that, that that you that you actually, you know, have equity. In, and, and it's it's actually yours. It's, it's it's an asset now versus just having receipts for having paid for the for the rent. It can be similar in terms of when we're thinking about life insurance, when we think about term versus permanent. Always a good debate to have that term versus whole life insurance question, and uh, we didn't even bring up universal. I think that would turn into an entire podcast on its own, Glenn. We'll save that for uh, perhaps another day. What about Medicare covering costs of your medical needs in retirement? Is that fact or fiction? Well, it will cover it'll cover a lot for sure. I mean, obviously, the vast majority of folks are you know are eligible for Medicare, and you know through either their work or their spouse's work or combination thereof. But, you know, I mean, you know, traditional Medicare, you know, is typically, you know, in, in general terms is going to cover about 80 percent of what the bill might be. Right. So you're going to typically need to have either a, a Medicare supplement or a Medicare Advantage plan that's going to give you additional coverage to help, you know, cover you know, that, that additional 20 percent, you know, in, in, a lot, in a lot of situations. So, you know, Medicare is certainly, you know, what's what's going to come into place, particularly if you're 65 or over in terms of in terms of your health insurance. And yes, it's going to cover a lot, but it's not necessarily going to cover everything. And you and there are multiple pieces of that of that puzzle for Medicare. You have Medicare Part A, Part B, you know, you know Part D for, you know, for prescription drugs. You know, then there's then there's you know Medicare Part C, which is really Medicare Advantage, and it gets into. I mean, that's like you say that, that could be an entire podcast or maybe you know a series of podcasts with all the different pieces and all all the different you know, things that are there to think about with Medicare. But you know, it's 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 there, and, and you know, I mean, you're gonna that's what that's what you're gonna have when you're 65 or over. But you but you can't just think that, oh, well, I've, once I'm covered by Medicare, everything's taken care of. There are more decisions to be made in terms of how you're going to cover, you know, that gap of what Medicare doesn't cover. And then another piece you know, that comes into Medicare as well, and a lot of people overlook, is the fact that, you know, the cost of their Medicare, um, you know, particularly their Medicare Part B premiums and their Medicare Part D premiums, uh, you know, those those are those are automatically once you're once you're taking your Social Security, those, those uh, are automatically deducted from your Social Security benefits, you know, and so that's that's how those get paid in most cases. Now, if you're if you haven't started taking your Social Security, then you're going to then you and you're and you're on Medicare, then you're going to be paying those premiums out of pocket until you go on the Social Security. Once that happens, then they're going to deduct it out of your Social Security benefit. But you know, a lot of people don't realize that how much that Medicare Part B premium actually is, is determinative on how much income you have. And the more income you have, it could actually start to cost you more. And that, that becomes a, that becomes part of that overall retirement planning. And, and it, it, a lot of folks are it's, it's kind of a it's, it's kind of a are, are you kidding me? Are, are you are you telling me that the cost of my of my Medicare is 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 more is more tied to how much money I make versus what my health is? 
and that is actually the reality in terms of you know what they what you know what is charged for the premiums and so that go, again goes into you know how how are you going to be taking income in retirement do you have any tax free income that that won't count towards you know either taxes or you know causing your medicare premiums to go up it's a it's a really involved you know puzzle to put together the pieces of walter but you know it's it's one of those things where you 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 know you open you open the door and all of a sudden you you find that there's a whole lot more stuff there and there's more planning to take place and if you don't do the planning you're oftentimes caught off guard and you have you you know you have surprises and unintended consequences by not not facing certain certain uh, you know questions and decisions that 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 really need to be evaluated and analyzed yeah it's a good point glenn and uh, we're walking through a lot of different areas of financial planning on the show today. Uh, we're able to do this whenever we're uh, kind of, you know, have some fun with these factor fiction type questions or true false or whenever we can kind of simplify the question. I think it makes the answer maybe more clear as well. So let's go into this last one, Glenn. As you get older, there's an old standby. You should gradually shift from stocks to bonds. Do you find that to be factor fiction these days? Well, I think that what was really meant in that scenario is, you know, is is that, you know, you 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 move from, you know, more risky to less risky, right? And that's that's the intent of that. And so, you know, for 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 decades, you know, bonds have been thought of as being, you know, either risk-free or lots lots less risk than than stocks and and that historically, you know, like I say for for a number of decades has been more true than not. However, bonds still, you know, come with their own set of risk, right? It depends upon, you know, is that is that a, is that a government bond? Is it is it a US government bond? Is it a is it a municipal bond? Is it a corporate bond, you know, or you know, or, or is it is it in a bond fund? You know, but one of the things that you have to really think about is is that you know, obviously bonds are tied to interest rates, right? And you know, the idea is is that you know, if you have bond or bond funds, that you're you know, primary you know, one of the primary ways of 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 earning with that type of an investment is is through interest. Well, the 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 reality is is that when you know when when we're when we're looking at the interest rate environment. We, I think, most everybody realizes that interest rates have been falling, you know, for 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 many many decades. I mean, you go back to the, you know, to the late '70s and early '80s, and what interest rates were, you know, back then, and you know where they are today. I mean, they, they you know, as as that as as that dynamic has happened, you know, when interest rates fall, the value of bonds tends to go up, right? So there's an inverse relationship there. Well, when we find ourselves at historically low um, interest rates and the possibility of having rising interest rates, well, now bonds are now they they the, the, you start to look at the possibility of a risk that that hasn't seemingly been there for quite you know for for decades you know and if we get into a, a scenario where you know we have lots of inflation or rising interest rates. And, and in that scenario, it's just like if you if you purchase a bond or a bond fund and interest rates start to, you know, to, to go up and if they start to go up dramatically, you could find yourself in a situation where that, you know, that 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 bond investment is actually losing money. Right. And losing value. And so in that scenario, it may not be, you know, as you know, as as you as you would have thought. Now, there are uh, there are other alternatives to help you hedge the risk and and to lower the volatility and lower the risk of your portfolio as you move into retirement. And I think that that's really you know, if we if we go to the spirit of what that of what that, you know, that idea was is, you know, to gradually shift you know, from, you know, from being, you know, really super aggressive with, you know, with stocks in the stock market 
you know, yes, you want to hedge that risk, but there might be some alternatives to look at rather than only bonds. But the the, the like I say, the the sentiment there and the and the and the truth that's behind that of of lowering your risk and your exposure to volatility, particularly when you're wanting to and you're needing to, you know, draw money out of those accounts for you know for income. You know, well, the, then, you know, we, we just have to think in terms of, OK, we get it. But, you know, what alternatives are there? And, and again, that's a that's a whole nother show. And, and that's a, and that, you know, in, in terms of we could spend we could spend, you know, you know, literally hours on on that on that topic. But it's, you know, again, everybody's situation's a bit different. But, you know, we, we you know, we kind of think in terms of, well, let's get together. Let's have a conversation. Let's see what your particular situation looks like and what your objectives are. And then we can really start to address, you know, well, how can we do that for you and your situation to make it so that you're not exposed to, you know, to too much risk, you know, and when, when you're when you're you know, moving into a def- different phase of life. Great points all the way around, Glenn. And if you heard something on today's show that sparked your interest, that maybe you have additional questions about or you want to make sure that you have a good plan for some of the things that we discussed, like taxes in retirement or covering medical needs, some of the gaps that may be involved in your planning process in terms of uh, asset allocation and stocks and bonds and all those kinds of things, Glenn takes a look at the entire picture, very holistic view of everything that goes into your financial and retirement plan to make sure that you have the best plan in place for your situation. We couldn't get him to firmly commit on, I don't think, any of these, Glenn. It always depends on somebody's situation. I know that's something you hold near and dear to uh, your planning process, and that's good. If you well, want to, Walter, the thing, yeah. the thing there is, though, it's just like there is no one set you know, for, for, for everybody, right? But once we sit down and start, you know, start talking about somebody's specifics, you know, then, then we find it's like, okay, this is going to be true for you, but it's not necessarily true for everybody, or this is false for you, but not necessarily for everybody. And so, you know, it's, it's you got to really be careful if you're out there and you're and you're looking and you're looking for advice, or, or you know, and, and and talking to different ones. If there's a quick answer that's like, oh, well, you always do this and you never do that. That's that should be a red flag because I mean yes there's going to be absolute answers but the question is is what's the absolute right answer for you in your situation? I've never been a big fan of the whole uh, you know th- th- this is my truth you know how that's kind of become more more common these days um, you know I'm I'm just living my truth or this is my truth or that's your truth or whatever you know it's it's either true or it's not true usually in my mind but you're actually saying uh, in this case you can we can have our own fact and our own fiction once we drill down to our own financial lives so that's good that's good stuff um, yeah pr- prove proving that saying in that point once you get that additional information from somebody so that's fantastic uh, if you want to get in touch with Glenn you can get in touch easily 336-291-3535 that's 336-291 3535 or go online to roadmapfinancial.com. That's roadmapfinancial.com. Look for the free consultation button. For Glenn, I'm Walter. We'll talk to you next time right back here on the Retirement Roadmap Podcast.